What is going on, Whisper Nation? We're back at it. Listen, it's Monday, and one-seventh of our life lands on a Monday. And so what do we do? We mock them right here on the Fantasy Whispers. Right here. You you didn't like that. You didn't like that hook at all. No, not not a good Monday morning. I didn't like it. It just didn't hit my expectations. Not good or bad, Johnny. I uh, just as all man, you hit me. good surprise. <laughs> good surprise. <laughs> well, we're doing a uh, twelve team. I meant I failed to also mention that it's a, a twelve team standard uh, mock draft. So uh, that was once again second intro botched by moi uh, since uh, Big Travis. Man, is it a real Monday? Yeah, apparently I have the case of the Monday. So, if there's an if there's an intro made, and it's not botched. Is it even an intro at all? That's yeah, a riddle probably. of the day, probably. probably. Yeah, but yo, we're doing a Totem draft. Yeah, so we're yeah we're doing a Totem draft, uh, kicking it back uh, to the old school. Listen, Big Travi isn't here again today. Uh, he's still on vacation. So um, I figured, what better um, time? to do a standard draft than now because uh, I was doing a little research during some office hours last week for Totem because we found out our draft spots kind of. And uh, so I was trying to narrow it down and big Travi got annoyed at me. He said, what is, this is work time. You don't, that's not, that's personal uh, fantasy stuff. So uh, I'm going to get back at him. So we'll, we, he's not here. So now we could do some uh, standard league uh, mocking. And Whisper Nation, if you don't know what we're talking about, we say Toltum. That is our league of record, T-O-L-T-M. The only league that matters is our name for our league of record. And uh, we take it very seriously. It's a 12-person league. We're going into year 11? Yeah. Is this year 11 or is this year 10? No, this year, is year 11. 11. This is year 11 we're going This is in. year 11. Okay. And we're making the switch from NFL to Sleeper. Fully yep. integrating, cross-connected, all that good stuff. It's a one quarterback, six points per touchdown, uh, two wide receivers in total. But are we doing three wide receivers here, Johnny? Uh, no, we're just doing two two know. wide receivers and a flex. Everything's the same. Tolton. So two running backs, two wide receivers, tight end, flex, no kickers in defense just for the mocking purposes. Mm-hmm. Um, quarterback, six-point passing touchdowns, no PPR, all that good stuff. Yeah. I love, our, I love our, our homegrown league here. I do. I also want to uh, give a big shout out real quick before we get this started. If you want to mock draft with us right now, there's a couple spots left open. We're about to start this. There are four spots. Uh, we tweeted out the link. I will go ahead and uh, I'll send it out uh, or try to find it and send it out again right now in this uh but just follow us at TF Whispers. Just crossed 1,000 subscriber or followers on Twitter, Austin. Super excited about that. Um, but I want to say shout out to everyone in the chat right now. Rob Shorter, Whisper Nation Strong, always. Cats Pajamas, 12-team standard man. leagues are my jam. Well, yeah. we got you, man. We got you. Uh, how can we uh, draft with you guys? Please respond. Uh, follow us on, on Twitter. Um, we sent out the link to the uh, sleeper room right there. Oh, yeah, made it. Perfect. Got it. Oh, um, busy in the house now. Jaws Whedon, who asked for a standard draft, Joe? Uh, <laughs> listen, you, we, we take it back to our roots. Every once in a while, we have to, uh, you know, take it back old school, remember where we came from, and uh, that's what we're doing here. 
that's a good question. I want to know, Johnny, what other folks' favorite default draft? Maybe not the one you think is like the best, most conducive fantasy experience, but what do you just personally, what's your comfort food? You know, what's yeah, your comfort that's food in one. terms of league settings? Do you like a 10-team? Maybe you like an eight-teamer. Maybe you like it easy and just kind of exciting where you get an eight-teamer, an eight-team, 10-team league or a, or a, what am I saying? Maybe and maybe you're like uh, maybe you're like the the league the show the league and it's a six teamer. Oh my goodness! Right? They're, they were that, they had like super super stacked. What, what, maybe you like to do a weird. Maybe get maybe you go sixteen teamer. You like it real yeah. thin. Hey, that's sixteen teamer. Uh, to, uh, speaking of which, uh, sixteen teamer will be our listener league. Uh, that's our listener league number team team like 16 teamer uh so information about that will be coming up shortly so you'll know how to enter that and get in uh, or try to get a spot to get in uh should be a lot of fun but austin we got three spots left uh what do you say we get this going let's do it man i'm excited all right you're at the 101 spot all right hold on. Yeah. begin draft sittings here um any reason in particular you took the 101 I kind of like the turn. I like I like the pace that it that it lets me get it going with. I really do like the turns. I like the turns are like the middle. You know, from our broadcasting perspective, Johnny, it helps to go at this angle just so we can keep the conversation flowing mm-hmm. while making picks and still being able to have presence of mind when I'm on the clock. But I I do kind of like the turn. I like I like being able to see who fell to me and get that value. And then I also like reaching for the guy I really want. And I don't feel bad reaching when I've got like 24 picks before I'm coming back. Cause it's like, if you like this guy, he's not going to be back. He's not going to be there on the backside. So make your choice. Well, and, and let's just be honest, right? You, yeah. you secretly deep down, you just want the whole crowd behind you. Once you get that guy to just scream, reach for your guy. And then, and then you just get super, super hyped. And then you're, you're like into your draft. You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, I might have reached for him. But guess what? He's a dynamite player. He's a diamond in the rough. And uh, I'm not mad. That's like the best sound at any draft is when you get that whole room like, oh, I wanted him. Oh, that was my guy. Just like well, whatever. Even surprising about their rosters. Exactly. Well, and it's even better when like that player ends up being – like a complete breakout player too. So it's like he ends up actually performing and it was just like, yeah, everyone knew it. And I got that guy and I know everyone knows I got that guy. And on the flip side, when you make a pick that you're so stoked about and you get like little like Conor McGregor walk going up to the board, and you're like, put the guy on the board. And then everyone's just like, cool. And kind of feel that they're like, you don't get the, Ugh, why? But you get the kind of like, oh, thank goodness he didn't take the guy I wanted. And you're like, right. Why didn't you want this guy? He's going to be a super boss. I swear <laughs> Devontae Parker is going to be good this year. I swear. Yeah. That well, feels, that happens all that, the time. That's a great – that is a, that is a pretty great feeling. Uh, yeah. Yaz here says 12-team PPR dinos. SF or IDP added for fun too. Have you played in IDP, Johnny? I know you were pushing to get us going in Tolton there for a little while. What do you think about IDP? No, I did not ever want IDP. Uh, well, I will say that, that for an, a, a split millisecond, I might have wanted IDP, um, but then I played it, and then I just I didn't like it. Um, I just think that it's just it doesn't. I mean, there are there are def, definitely depths to it. Like you start like a lineman uh, or a D lineman, a middle linebacker, corners, 
things like that. So it makes it a little bit more challenging, Mm -hmm. but it's just so different when you're in fantasy football and there are a lot of players on defense that kind of equal each other out. So it doesn't really feel like it. You're adding um, a whole lot of extra um, skill. I I shouldn't say skill level there, but I just feel like you're just adding a spot to add a spot at that point. Like they're, it's just like extra variables for extra variables sake. Right. Exactly. And then on top of that, you have the fact that, if that guy goes like there's nothing more frustrating than when you're playing against a guy and they they have like some, you know, like not super, super talented, like linebacker or whatever. And he just randomly gets a, like a pick six that week. And it's just like and so like that's a huge advantage when, you know, you're nor- like normally defensive players like they're not like a huge they don't they don't bring you a lot of points. And right. so, uh, yeah, it's just. I don't know. I just don't like it. It's not for me. It's not my cup of tea. But I know that a lot of people do like IDPs. I am more into the super flex stuff, though. I do like that. I think that that is going to be uh, talking about like the evolution of fantasy football and like where it started mm. and then where it's like evolving to. I uh, think it's right. Good point, right? Because it's like you, you say the quarterback is such a cheat code, but then there's so many of them available on the waiver wire for the most part. And if you do make two quarterbacks available on each person's roster it 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 elevates the strategy for quarterback play in a way Mm -hmm. that i don't know why it's a bad thing for fantasy football either especially in in nfl football just general land it's the most important position it's the position that's traditionally paid the highest on the team has the most impact on the squad um right wrong or indifferent that's just the case and so to have a fantasy football framework that I guess mirrors that priority a bit. I'm always a little hesitant to try to build fantasy football to mirror the NFL. I think that's um, a disservice done to the league. I think fantasy football is, it needs to be looked at as its own activity and something that just kind of works in conjunction with the NFL. And it's this, it's like two ingredients that are coming together. It's not just more of the same ingredient. Yeah. That makes sense. Yep. But Johnny, I Uh, want to ask you here, so Josh, oh, sorry, Josh was now the homework for the draft, but not that much more through the season. Yeah, I would agree with that. So I, you know, we got we're we're here through the first round, and there's some mm. interesting takeaways that I'm picking up in this 12 teamer, Johnny. One, you got Jacob Blair, number one fan, uh, taking Nick Chubb right after. Excuse me, taking Jonathan Taylor right after Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb is, and and Jonathan Taylor have been hot topics for the last month or so of mock drafts. Mm. And we've said we believe Jonathan Taylor's rightful position is right after Nick Chubb. The excitement is there for Jonathan Taylor, but there's really no metric you can suggest or point to that's going to demonstrate him being the superior choice over Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb has more experience. He's done it more often. He's in just as good of a situation, if not a better situation, than Jonathan Taylor. And I think if you're taking Jonathan Taylor ahead of Nick Chubb, you're just doing it for the mystery box factor. Maybe he'll be the best running back for this decade. And it's like, yeah, maybe, but probably not. So I think Jake Nick Chubb being taken right before Jonathan Taylor is still the right call, and we've seen that now for the last two or three weeks. Do you still think that's the right position for the incoming second year back, Jonathan Taylor? Uh, yeah, I, I think that that's uh, definitely right around where you should expect him to come off the board, and and realistically, he should because he does still have that upside, right? Of 
becoming that number one overall running back or at least top three uh like we saw down the stretch there are added factors of course but um the ceiling is definitely there because you've seen it uh what i found or what i thought was really interesting austin in the first round uh that we haven't seen yet to this point now this is a standard draft uh so that could change a little bit of the reality and the perspective on it but I still think it's it's significant because and that that's Cam Akers in the first round. Mm, um, Cam, right. Cam Akers has been at 109. Um, very interesting spot there. I, I think that uh, when you're when you're looking at it, the upside is definitely there to be that dark horse RB one. We talked about it on a couple of episodes ago uh, on our YouTube channel. And I definitely think that there's that upside for sure. But now it's starting to get interesting because before you're paying a second rounder for the speculation of saying, yeah, I think he could be that number one or, or get into that top 12. But now you're like actually having to pay that like top eight price if he does end up going there. Do you think do you think that's where he'll end up going in your opinion? Or do you think that he'll end up falling back to kind of where are you willing to risk you know, taking Cam Akers in the first on basically hype. I mean, I shouldn't say basically hype, but. I I like him. Um, But for me, the first round pick needs to eliminate as many question marks as possible while still, of course, aiming for that high ceiling and high floor. There's upside dart throws available throughout the draft. Obviously, more of a risk the further you get down, the lower the floor that dart throw will have as you get into the later rounds. But in the first round here, I'm looking to get a a running back or, I mean, I'm looking to get a wide receiver if all of the top-notch running backs are gone. But I don't have any problem doing that. It's kind of fun, actually, if the wide receiver is what ends up becoming available. But I think generally speaking, you're going to be looking for a running back. You're going to be looking for a bell cow on a good team. And for me, I'm looking for a bell cow on a good team that has a solid situation behind them. If there's one insurance policy I'm picking up for any player in my entire squad, it's my first round pick. Last year, you know, taking Saquon Barkley early on, I love the upside he brings to the table. But that Giants offensive line is not very good. The backup running back behind Saquon Barkley at the time, it was just uh, – um, uh, with the G, who am I? Uh, it was Javante Freeman came in and and filled in, mm-hmm. but uh, who is the backup running back here? And I can't even remember his name. Starts with a G. Uh, York. I'm, I'm, uh, for oh uh, yeah, Devonte Freeman, then Wayne Gallman. Wayne Gallman. Uh, yeah, yeah. You know, Wayne Gallman was all right, but not great. That team's not very good. Not picking up a lot of first downs, and you need that elite talent of a Saquon Barkley to make that pick worth it. So I'm going to be trying to find players in that first round that if they did go down, God forbid, I'm going to have a handcuff available that I'm going to be able to slip in and not really lose too much. And for me right here, that was Dalvin Cook. Um, I I like the running back situation that any running back is going to step into there in Minnesota. Um, And I just think it's it's a safe play with still a lot of upside available. And Mm -hmm. so that's kind of where I'm taking. But that, that was kind of brought up an interesting question. I almost went with Derrick Henry, Johnny. Just because that running situation is really nice in Tennessee, the line's pretty good. Darianton Evans should be that prime handcuff. It's the running back that Tennessee took pretty early in the draft last year. Um, he was hurt most of the season, so we didn't get to see what he was working with. But I think there's a lot of room in this in this first round right now to make a case for a lot of these guys being at the top. You know, I think Christian McCaffrey 
is probably the consensus number one. But for me, we got a new situation. We got a new quarterback. He's coming off a very injured year. This is a guy who's still on the lighter side of things. Um, I think there's a lot of offensive coordinators who would never aim to make Christian McCaffrey a 20-touch bell cow back. So for me, it, it almost – Christian McCaffrey, I'm pausing a little bit as my consensus number one. And guys like Derrick Henry move up for me. Honestly, Nick Chubb moves up for me too. It's a pretty safe bet. They want to run a lot through Nick Chubb. Um, but do you have any picks there then that you now think should be at the top one? Or is it still kind of this collection of people that you could make a case for? And then there's everybody else. Yeah, it's kind of funny uh, because over the last like 24 hours, Twitter has been going absolutely nuts uh, because Derrick Henry had posted a video or a video came out of Derrick Henry catching passes. And it just like Twitter blew up, went crazy. Oh, my goodness. What, you know, is this the year he goes off for 75 touches or, you know, receptions and, uh, you know, that's what we've been asking for for the last four years. And, uh, you know, I, I, at this point you play this game long enough and you kind of see these storylines that have played out time and time again. And then you realize like when you need to actually like dive into it and look into it and when it could just be like fluff stuff. Like we also have to remember like a couple of years ago, like Jordan Howard, the same thing came out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Hold on. I know. And Maybe and the same thing too. came out. We got all excited. Oh, Jordan Howard, like already a beast running back. If he can get that receiving down work too, then it'll be the sky's the limit and all this stuff. And it didn't end up happening. And it ha- like it it happens more it doesn't happen more often but than Jim, it does I gotta, not. I gotta ask you here. I gotta ask you. We're talking about Derrick Henry. What what did Derrick Henry finish as in standard leagues last year? No, no, but it doesn't. Right, it, that's the whole point. Is like it wasn't just in standard leagues he finished RB one. He finished the RB one and and PPR too. And that that's the whole thing. Is like he doesn't need to add that to his game in order to be an RB one. And you're still not having to pay the RB one spot. Like, uh, so is Derek Henry though the RB one right now? Is that actually who should be at the top of draft boards? I I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that I, I would put him at the one hundred and one. If as the number one overall. If someone took M101, I I don't have any problem with it. Like I know I see the argument there. Like the same argument that you were saying for Christian McCaffrey last year on why he or deserved to be the last year. Yeah, but the problem that I have with taking Derrick Henry at number 1 overall is We've seen not only the the story of like oh how like the receiving down work gets overhyped, and it doesn't always result in him like doubling his uh, reception total. But not only that, you also see him or you see in history that the RB one overall doesn't repeat back to back years. It's only been done two times in the last you know, like. That's just silly stat to reflect on. It, it is. It you is. Know, but it. Hey. But it. You're not trying it's to the reality. one who it's has the, the best shot to perform in the top 10. It doesn't matter if he finishes one or three or five. You're looking for a guy who's going to be locked into an elite role. And a guy what? like Derrick Henry has the entire squad that runs through him. He's got the, he's got the frame that we've seen on like anybody at 2000 yards last season. He was close to it the year before. Like if you're trying to pick the number one overall, fine, maybe don't pick Derrick Henry, but if you're taking him number one, I don't know why that's not a good pick. I'm not saying it's not. Uh, once again, I, 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 I preface this whole argument with saying 
If you want to take Derrick Henry number one overall, I have yeah. no argument against it. I'm not personally taking Derrick Henry number one overall because I have my research that I believe in and 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 history is back that stuff. And so I choose to not that he's not go gonna that route. number one. You don't want to take Correct. a number one because it's rare to have a number one repeat as the number one. Correct. But what very, we got a factor I would, and and here's the that. thing. Here's hold on. Here's the thing is I know you're getting a little defensive on it, but I was saying the exact same thing about CMC last year. You can you can go back and check the tape because I got a lot of flack for it. I and CMC. I didn't take CMC one one last year either, but it wasn't because he was the number one running back the year prior. It was because he's an undersized running back who they want to give a bell cow load to, and his body's going to break down, and I think his durability is going to come into question this year. Okay, but on on that, like he's a different, it's a different beast, right? For sure. On that same token, though, like you're talking about mileage. Derrick Henry has a lot of mileage on him. He has been running 250 plus touches per year, and and you just talked about how high that that he's been producing. It's hard at look at also you can look at history of running backs who have done that specific thing who have been beast running backs and then they the cliff is steep. Now, do That's I think argument. do That's I think argument. Derrick Henry is at that cliff yet? No, I don't think so. I think he's still young enough where it, it doesn't it's, it's not necessarily to Yeah, but right? I, like, I, I the, it's I 20 28. Weird. Yeah, 28 is usually the running back threshold uh when uh, their high mileage running backs tend to fall off in production is after the age apex of 28 for running backs. Uh, wide receivers, it's 32, age 32. Um, and so that has been backed by data. So- I think that this year, though, and I, we got, this isn't the Derrick Henry show on this one, but I think that this year Derrick Henry is going to try to do what no other running backs have been able to do. I think he's going to this season. I think he's really primed for it. Like it's basically he his team be. already. We've seen him get two thousand yards. He's putting in extra work in the off season to try to elevate his game. He's trying to become another level of running back. He is trying to bring in pass catching work to his game. And we can point to Jordan Howard and say, "How look how that flopped." We can also point to Todd Gurley and say, "Look at how well that took off." When that Todd happened. Gurley was always a good receiver, though it wasn't was that first, Todd Gurley was season in the NFL. In college, he had hands, but he didn't play and actually catch. Look at the numbers. He yeah, I know, I know, I know, but that was under Derek. David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell are the best running backs in the game, and the reason why David Johnson and Le'Veon Bell are the best running backs in the game is because they catch passes. So if I want to be the best running back in the game, I got to catch passes too. And Todd Gurley dedicated himself that offseason to making it happen, and then he was the number one running back coming after that. And so it can work out in that kind of favor. Uh-huh. So, Henry was already the number one running back, and he wasn't actually even catching passes. So the, it can only go up from the sense that we say the durability isn't actually a concern. The offensive line, the entire system, Ryan Tannehill, they got better on offense. And they're going to pick up more first downs this year than they did last year. I don't think Derrick Henry is going to lose a step. And I think he's actually going to pick up a few new skills that could take him into a scary level. Like, okay, I think so Derrick you think – hold on, hold on, hold on. So you think – you think with them losing Corey Davis and Jonu Smith that their offense is going to get better? And then yeah, on top of that, Corey Davis did much of anything. On them. on top of that, uh, you were you were talking about uh, Derrick Henry and like adding those re- receptions or yeah. or having the offense more run through him. I think that's a good that's a possibility for sure. Now that they lost the weapons, I'm not trying to argue that. But you also comparing him to Todd Gurley when he 
went from his rookie year under Jeff Fisher, who is a terrible head coach. There's a reason why he's still not hired in the NFL. And then he went to Sean McVay, whose offense is one of the best. He's known as one of the best, probably top five offensive minded coaches. And he knew, hey, how do I get this guy the ball and get him and make him effective? I have to I have to throw to him. So I don't say, oh, well, Todd Gurley worked a lot on, on if Todd Gurley was a good pass catcher coming out of college. So that's a different like Derrick Henry's never been touted as a good catcher. That's the difference. But that was a good debate. That was a good debate. <laughs> you want to catch All we need to have Derrick Henry do is catch like three more passes and stuff could get weird. And hey, I drafted Leonard Fournette and I watched Leonard Fournette just drop the ball a lot last year, embarrassingly so. Mm-hmm. But it's, it always just blows me away that like these running backs can't go ahead and catch these ones here. But um, well, yeah, so that's a good talk on Derrick Henry. That was yeah. Uh, let us know what you think about Derrick Henry this year <laughs> and if you should be uh, taking him at the one on one. I think I, I think I am feeling Derrick Henry though at the one on one right now. I think that's the safest call. I think if you had to pick a guy who's the who's the most likely to be in the top five. In running backs, it's hard for me not to go Derrick Henry. In that All right, let me ask you the opposite then. Mm-hmm. Out of the top five, because you're saying the safer, which I do admit that that's the strategy that I do like playing with when I'm when I'm mock drafting. Which, by the way, uh, if you're hanging around this long uh, and listening to us go on and on uh, about the mock draft, we mock draft every Monday. If you want to join in, make sure you're following us and. Um, we do all kinds of different drafts. We will break down each team at the end of the show. Uh, and so we just like picking out certain players to talk about throughout the show. And then we'll get more in depth on the rosters at the end. So stick with us and appreciate you all for tuning in. Very much. I'm loving my team right now. Let's see. Who you got, John, here? Ezekiel Elliott, DeAndre Swift, Mike Evans, Melvin Gordon, Raheem Mostert. That's, that's a running back stack situation in Robert Woods. Yeah, I couldn't yeah. believe it. I couldn't believe Robert Woods was there in the sixth, but that was good. Um, <laughs> Chelsea, are we still talking? Philly Chelsea, are we still talking about Derrick Henry? Derek, uh, Chelsea had Derrick Henry yeah. last year and, and told him, and uh, she uh, her team was very, very good. Uh, I think that – oh, okay, so here's what I was going to ask you. I, re- I remember it first thing. We just talked about the safe safest play, you think, in the you know first five picks or first round. Who yeah. do you think is not the safest oh, pick? I was going to take Brandon Ayuk. Darn it! Oh yeah, we get a little a little mock draft rage. We got to we got to snipe uh, Brandon Ayuk is Austin's boy. Um, who out of the top five do you think has the biggest likelihood to bust? Right here in the players who are taken. Sure, or the consensus, kind of what you've been seeing over the last, you know. Why don't can you can I get your take first, and I'm gonna pretend I'm listening. Oh yeah, you. that's right. Um, you have to, my bad. I asked you at the wrong moment. Um, I would say out of the top five, so I would say Dalvin Cook usually goes right around the top. CMC, Saquon as this is the first time Saquon's been kind of top three. Uh, it's usually been Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara, and then. It was Jonathan Taylor, and I would have said Jonathan Taylor, but he's now moved back a little bit. Um, and I could, I would actually still say, if you, if I'm allowed to, I still think that Jonathan Taylor 
is the most risky first round pick that we have besides, I mean, Cam Akers getting up there in the first round is a little, if I could speak a little bit risky. However, what norm he usually goes in the second round. So I'm taking on a consensus ADP. I do think that Jonathan Taylor is the riskiest uh, running back in that bat or in that top round because he has factors coming back that a lot of the other running backs don't have, right? Like we all, we know the other situations that the other running backs have. Whereas Jonathan Taylor, when we last saw Mac in that backfield, it was Naheem Hines, Mac, that we're doing the one and two workload. And then Jonathan Taylor got a very few reps and it wasn't until Mac went down that actually Jonathan Taylor started getting carries. Um, and I'm not saying that that's how I projected this year. Cause obviously we saw how good Jonathan Taylor could be. And yeah. so I think it'll be him more as the primary running back, but I do think that Marlon Mack will steal more touches away than people think. And uh, Naheem Hines, although I think this does ultimately reduce his role, uh, I do think that they'll get him in some receiving work. So uh, I, I do think that he has the lowest ceiling uh, or the lowest floor of any of the uh, running backs in the first round. Yeah, I like that take there, Johnny. I think you know, I'm hearing what you're saying about Jonathan Taylor, and I'm kind of feeling about what I did here, just taking Devin Singletary right here, or the same thing I did in our League of Record draft in 2020 where I took – uh, Daryl Henderson and, or excuse me, Damian Harris and Sony Michelle, where you pick up the situation where you're like, okay, I think Buffalo is going to have a pretty decent offense. Uh, I think it's pr- it's going to be pretty versatile. I think it's Josh Allen's team now, but every team still wants to be able to run the ball. It gets cold in Buffalo. The run game is still going to be a factor. I'm just, this is the narrative I'm telling myself. It's just the same thing I kind of mm-hmm. told myself about New England's backfield last year. And so is it Sonny Michelle, is it Damian Harris, Rex Burkhead, blah, 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 James White, all these different pieces. And it's this, yeah, you want opportunity and volume, but you really want explosive volume. You want the players who have the ability to take the top off, but you also still want that volume. And mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor gives a lot of explosive volume, which is why he's you know so highly touted. Mm-hmm. you're totally right man like marlon mack could come in take five touches neam hines could take three touches and get you know five pass catches his way and then all of a sudden jonathan taylor is looking at maybe 12 to 15 total touches on average a game mm-hmm. and indianapolis is cruising they're winning games they're resting their players they're looking like a, a deep playoff team and the indianapolis colts don't care about your fantasy football squad so if this recipe is working for them and they're able to move it forward, you know, that could really take some of the luster off of a Jonathan Taylor, which is why a Derrick Henry, though, for instance, is so attractive because it's like you ain't replacing a Derrick Henry. You're not mm-hmm. going to be able to committee approach the impact Derrick Henry makes. Same kind of thing with, honestly, Saquon Barkley, Christian McCaffrey, and even Alvin Kamara, you just get a little concerned about if they really bring that volume back. Because he needs those big plays to make something happen. And he's so good at them. One of the best we've ever seen. But if you don't make it happen in your 15 attempts, then it's a very underwhelming day. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what, not only that, but then also, uh, it's a good point you brought up because Jonathan Taylor, when he played against, well, not only that, you know, getting carries and struggled to get carries, but when he also played against 
good top 10 defenses. Uh, he also like it was he was touchdown reliant to even make him an RB2. Uh, if he didn't get the touchdown, he would have been, you know, way, way down there. So it is something to take note of for sure. Um, I'm really a little bummed out here. I, what are you talking I, about? I kind of wanted to uh, take, you know, I'm just going to pay up. No, I'm not. This is eighth round. What do I want to do? I don't know. Oh, gosh. Why did I carry on Johnson? Are you kidding me? That was so horrible. Why did you do that? That was, I that was a panic one. I was trying to find a name, and I actually I wasn't even. Uh, I meant to go Kenneth Gainwell at least. Uh, it was right below it, and I accidentally clicked carry on. Um, Kenneth Gainwell is an interesting name to take note of, uh, gaining a lot of steam uh, in the NFL draft uh, room hype. But I was also looking at a couple wide receivers here. That maybe will fall to me in the next round. We'll see. Aaron Rodgers, I kind of I want it. The Chase Claypool pick right here at you know Mr. Meeks. Yeah. Uh, uh, Mr. That's Meeks. Nice. Uh, yeah, that's a nice pick. I I would have liked that if he would have fell to me. You know what? This is a kind of this kind of inspires a, a fun idea here, Johnny. You know which which you know last week we we did um how did we frame it? It was uh, a reach. Uh, a steal or about right, you know, which mm-hmm. I'd like to kind of go round by round, kind of how you started it off here and say, who do we think was the biggest steal of that round? And then who was maybe the biggest reach of that round and just going, you know, we're, we're in the eighth round here. Okay. Um, I'll start it off. I'll ask here for, you know, I'm looking at that. We'll just start with the first round. Uh, well, you know, Mac here with, um, Saturday morning snap. Make sure you give them a listen and a follow if you haven't already. You'll do yourself yeah. a favor. Um, M Tout twenty three here drafting the five spot. I think Matt got the biggest steal for me. Like I said, I think that Derrick Henry is quickly moving up to my one one spot. He got him at five. So for me, that's the biggest steal. And then the biggest reach that I see here is Cam Akers. I don't yeah. hate it, but I think it's a reach at that position. Um, you know what you're doing there. You're taking a gamble, but that's for me biggest yeah. deal is reach in the first. Yeah, I, I I think so. The upside's definitely there, but I would I would agree with that. I think maybe I mean the computer did it. Um, I mean I would say Tyreek Hill at 104 and a standard is probably the number one oh, reach yeah. there. Um, but uh, which is why normally we fill up these uh, mock drafts and why it's why it's actually very. Imp- uh, important information that we're gathering when we do these mock drafts because we're we're drafting against uh, people that are are good at drafting. Uh, and if you haven't or want to check us out, we draft every Monday right here Monday. on the fantasy every Monday. Like subscribe, follow along yeah. on our platforms. Johnny dropping the links to the sleeper room on Twitter, yep. and we're answering all of our questions live on air. So join us in the live chat if you haven't had a chance to actually be a part of the room. Also, if you could hit uh, the thumbs up on this video and give it a like, we'd greatly appreciate it. Hit subscribe if you are new to our channel. Let us know. We'll give you a shout out. Uh, Josh A., I do want to say Josh A. real quick. Sorry I missed uh, out on it today, boy. Well, and congrats on the 1K on Twitter. Appreciate that. Appreciate everyone on Whisper Nation for following us along. It really means a lot to us. Uh, We honestly couldn't do this without you guys. It would not be fun at all. Uh, and you guys give us uh, so much energy and uh, excitement to we do what we love to it do. It wouldn't be any fun 
Right. Exactly. Um, but getting back to your question, Austin, what I would say is, yeah, Tyree Kill for me yeah, is point. Base. yeah, but it's a computer pick, so we we already don't like computers, so it's okay. Yeah. Yeah. So what about the uh, second round there then? Biggest reach, biggest steal in that second round. Once again, computer coming in strong. Biggest reach would be Josh Jacobson or Josh Jacobs uh, in uh, that second round. I think so. He, absolutely. Uh, me and overall running back last year in, in all formats. So Ryan and I, uh, we had Ryan Weiss on last Friday on our live show, um, yeah. and we got into a really good topic about uh, the running backs, uh, and the Las Vegas Raiders uh, running backs now with Kenyon Drake there. Um, and what we, you know, kind of foreshadowed. And the problem is, is like they're both voluminous uh, running backs. And yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> that word. Uh, and so uh, we think that like they'll kind of cannibalize each other. And so they don't, if you look at it, right, I'll, I'll, the backfield that I comped it to and the numbers would the stats would kind of back it up would be actually the Arizona Cardinals uh running back backfield. Now I brought them up as an example because as you can see Chase Edmonds went in the 7th spot or in the 7th round end of the 7th, right? And we'll see when James Conner comes off the board probably not till like the 13th round or something like that, right? Well the uh Cardinals offensive uh or the Cardinals rushing Last year, they had more rushing touchdowns and more rushing yards. Uh, they were top five in the league last year. Las Vegas, top 11, right? So you're already talking about a lower lower ceiling for these guys in general. They uh, Raiders lost their offensive lineman. They're the best center in football. He is now for the Cardinals, or uh, the center for the Cardinals now. So... Um, with that being said, like I would, the reason I bring up Arizona is once again, like that's a running back backfield. A lot of people are like, oh, I don't want to be a part of that. But the draft capital involved in that is so significantly less. And it seems to be a better situation. Right. Even if you, even if you go with James, Con if you think James Conner is the guy, James that's fine. ends up being the dude, right? It, it, yeah, it's fine. You're talking about what's the draft capital of both those guys. Whereas like right now, the draft capital for the Raiders, uh, Drake going in the sixth round and you have uh, Josh Jacobs going in the second, it doesn't make much sense because that's a worse offense. We just, we know that. John, uh, I like that point too. You know, I think the counter would come in there on Josh Jacobs being, John Gruden loves Josh Jacobs so much and really puts him in this position. But that, to me, alludes to the wild card nature Gruden carries with him, the unpredictability that is John Gruden. Drake coming mm -hmm. over there, he's got some appeal. Like, Drake yeah. is one of those guys who you're always kind of like, maybe he should have been more. I saw that one play, if we could only. You know what I mean? And you know so, what's John Gruden, I'm like, I'm going to untap this guy the same way I'm going to untap you know, what court Ryan, whatever the quarterback that he's always trying to right something or, you know, these weird signings that he always, you know, it's just like the unpredictability of John Gruden is real. Part mm -hmm. of which is what made Josh Jacobs such a great fantasy pick early on in the season. I mean, heck, even him being drafted as the first overall running back two years ago was a little bit of a, a shocker. Mm -hmm. Don't put it past John Gruden to shock the world, though, whenever he feels like it. He but loves that point, I, I think it'll be... It'll be interesting because Kenyon Drake didn't get a lot of receptions last year, but I, I almost see, I do think Josh Jacobs will get the early down work. And yeah. I think, Ken, I think Kenyon Drake will get 
uh, he's a more efficient booker, right? Like, I think that that's what they were looking for. And so he'll get like all the passing down work, which will be funny because it was like, that was what everyone was complaining about. Kenyon Drake this past year is like, oh, he sucks at, at receiving. But I like, that's what I'm, I'm. John, you're that's so right. Think. For me, I'm looking at, you really helped me on this one with Josh Jacobs. Um, I'm interested to see what other folks here, Whisper Nation thinks. We've got Yaz saying saw Jacobs go in the fourth yesterday in PPR Dino startup was surprised. You know, I think if I'm looking, where do I really believe Josh Jacobs should go? If I was breaking down my order for everybody, you know, I was doing 150 players, lining them all out and how I would draft it. I'm probably putting Josh Jacobs. I'm probably having a real hard decision between Josh Jacobs and Chris Carson for me. That's that high. Yeah. Wow. I think so because I think, and I'm probably taking Chris Carson. I'm probably skewed because of just like the sexiness Josh Jacobs still brings. Like this is a top 10 running back, back to back years, still young, arguably should even be better. And so that's going to capture my attention a little bit. Chris Carson, I see, is dealing with a lot of other running backs as Seattle always employs. He's the lead dog, but there's always a lot of running backs that make their way under the field for Seattle. Um, Seattle's a little bit better of a squad, but they become real pass heavy. Yeah, I think that's where it starts falling for me, Johnny. Um, like, do I want to take Najee Harris or Travis Etienne before, you know, in this even in this mock situation? No. I still like Josh Jacobs. I like the upside Miles Sanders brings more than the upside I think Josh Jacobs brings. I don't think we're going to get a better season out of Josh Jacobs than we've already seen. I think that, though, could be untrue for uh, Miles Sanders. I think Miles Sanders could still have his best fantasy season yet to come. Mm-hmm. Wow, interesting. Well, maybe maybe David Montgomery. But I'd also move David Montgomery up a little bit. I'd also move Melvin Gordon up a little bit. I think Melvin yeah. Gordon is going up higher. So because of the computer it's a little wonky here uh james connor somehow went in the fifth round which is crazy but it was to a computer so surprise surprise the wild what earlier or later uh uh, way later i mean his adp is going like when we have a draft room full like his adp is like 11th round 12th it's going up it is going up but that fifth round that's i would not pay that at all like you my money is on 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 chase edmonds this year um What's really what I didn't even notice, and I don't know how he passed me, and I didn't even notice this, uh, probably because I was talking. But uh, the I think the biggest steal right now in the draft would be Captain Bob in the fifth round getting J.K. Dobbins. I don't know how he fell. I would have definitely taken. I don't. I have no idea. That was wild because um, I would have definitely taken Dobbins if I had noticed him. Uh, that was on me, but always pay attention people in your drafts, always pay attention and scroll down because you never know, uh, what wonky ADP stuff's going on. Dobbins, I, you know, although I am lower than the consensus person on Dobbins, I do think that Dobbins should be going, uh, you know, in the late third, early fourth, you know, right around where the Melvin Gordon, David Montgomery is going. Um, but for me, as far as Josh Jacobs go, in all honesty, like I would put him, I think in like the end of the fifth round, early sixth round is like the earliest I would honestly consider taking him. Um, and that's because if you're, I mean, Todd Gurley that, and David Johnson, they'll fall back. Um, but like, I can't sit here and say like, I would rather have Josh Jacobs than Raheem Mostert. 
uh, this next year. I can't say that I would rather have for you. Huh? And Josh Jacobs is a split for you. It is, yeah, I would rather have Raheem Mostert. Um, I think that the I what I've been re, uh, reading out of uh, you know beat reporters and stuff is they have big plans for Raheem Mostert this next year. Now, will he stay healthy? That's been his whole question. Um, but we definitely have seen him produce when he's on the field. So I think a fifth rounder gamble for uh, that kind of caliber player is is totally worth it especially at the running back position and that system we know, and they should get a better quarterback in there. Uh, We'll see on the draft and how that goes. But that's like right after that is where I would say, okay, that's where you should probably consider taking him. uh, Because then after that, you're looking at guys like, you know, Marlon Mack, uh, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, Mike Davis, like Josh Jacobs needs to be ahead of those people. I think yeah, no, no, that, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Interesting point. Maybe that is the line. Yeah, I think you're that's like you're, you're 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 inflating Raheem Mostert a little bit, maybe not incorrectly, and you're deflating Josh Jacobs a little bit, not necessarily incorrectly, but you think that's where the actual value yes is yeah. going to kind of. I mean, honestly, that's not a bad that's not a bad take. If we take like age off the table, if we take all these things that don't really matter, but we try to pretend like they do. We try to say that age is going to help predict how athletic they are, how productive they are, how hungry they are, X, Y, and Z, whatever. Um, but you've got Raheem Mostert, who should be clearly leading the way for a pretty good team that has a lot of depth. That's the same thing for Josh Jacobs, right? Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe he's even a little less good. Maybe has a slightly better quarterback than Derek Carr, but a slightly worse team than the 49ers. Yeah, I think that's actually probably pretty fair, Johnny. Yeah, we'll see Josh Jacobs go way earlier than Raheem Mostert, but maybe that's that's kind of fair. Oh, awesome! I just saw that. Uh, saw your Mike Williams, eleventh uh, round pick, beginning of the round. I I want to talk about this. Is interesting uh, that you picked him. Mm-hmm. I love that you picked him. Uh, I think that a lot of people could be sleeping on him. And the reason why you know, it was, I saw this on Twitter. So shout out. I can't remember uh, the the user that had commented on it, but I thought it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had a com. It was a pro football focus um, kind of tweet. And it said like, who is this year's, you know, mega breakout, like, you know, too late breakout, basically, you know, like the Devonte Parker, the Corey Davis. And, you know, I'm trying to like, think of what I would like, you know, respond with. And, I was checking out some of the comments and someone put Mike Williams and I started to think about the case study. Right. And then I like, I was looking at a couple of numbers bet, uh, you know, betting a couple numbers and things like that. And it's very similar situation. And like, you could argue that like everything is lining up to where that he could for sure be that guy. Do you think so? And if you do, where realistically would you start taking him or thinking about taking him? Full disclosure, I've been on the Big Mike Williams train for the last couple of years. There's a couple of these players that you always just say, like, they're going to they're gonna make it happen here coming up. In basketball, it's been Andrew Wiggins in fantasy for me all the time. But that's neither here nor there. But Mike Williams, I think, really does have a real shot at it. And here's why. The biggest counterpoint to that would be his previous levels of productivity, and his, which you could attribute to health, which you could say would still be a factor here. But I believe that Mike Williams has demonstrated more toughness and an ability to recover recently than he did early on in his season and he's had weird kinds of injuries happen with him in the same way his teammate keenan allen did earlier in his career with the spleen issue with like weird tendon things it's not like it was just kind of weird things that ended up happening 
to him. I see Mike Williams in a similar capacity there. Mm. Mike Williams, we saw, have some great rapport here and there with Justin Herbert, which is exciting. We saw big Mike Williams be a phenomenal deep threat, which is what he's supposed to be. He just didn't get a ton of opportunity with it. But this year, we've seen the vacation of Hunter Henry, who is that big body presence that has had a rapport with the Chargers there for a long time. Mm-hmm. He's gone now. Big Mike Williams is kind of a tight end physical form. He's 220 pounds roundabout. He's six foot four plus. He's a big dude. And here's the thing that's surprising. He's only 26 years old. And that's mm-hmm. when you talk about Devontae Parker, when you talk about Corey Davis, when you talk about some of these guys who broke out a little bit later, Big Mike Williams has been slowed down by injuries. He's been slowed down by the role. It's been weird things that have kind of happened. I'm not saying he's a guarantee, but he has a real shot to be a legitimate. Oh, no. Why did it? I'm not supposed to be on auto pick. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, whatever. Apparently, it uh, liked what you were saying. On uh, <laughs> it liked what you were saying, so they're like, "Oh, we'll just make the picks for you." Yeah, I guess so. But I think that I'm not saying it's it's going to happen. But there's reasons to believe we have not seen the best yet of Mike Williams, and the situation he's coming into right now is going to encourage higher levels of production and require more out of him to win football games than has been required in the past. We might just see Mike Williams have to be more. Than he's been, and I think he's fully capable of being more. Absolutely, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head when you talk about look unrealized air yards. He was 14th in the league with 660 unrealized air yards. So, uh, and and then only had five touchdowns. And so, I think that there is a a huge opportunity there, right? Because you look at the air yards total or opportunity in the air yards, right? Uh, just over 1,200 air, uh, air yards and air yard share was at 28.9%, which is pretty significant for the team. And you're looking at his target market share was just 18%, Austin. So pretty low uh, for, you know, a big bodied wide receiver like that. And so I think that, yeah, you know, in the second year with uh, Herbert, if he can get a full healthy training camp, um, which will be really, really big. That's been his whole thing. But that's also been something that's kind of been similar with, you know, Parker and, and Corey Davis was like they were hampered by these like nagging little injuries early. And uh, and then when they were able to stay healthy for a full season, that was when the breakout happened. And you have to be there before that happens so you can take advantage of it as opposed to being late because, you know, next year you're going to have to pay up when people see, oh, this is his true upside and his true potential. Um, so I, I do think that, yeah, Mike Williams will be a guy that's uh, going to be probably on my breakout list or, or sleeper list. Um, and he's been on my breakout forward. list for the last two seasons, but it's still all of the points still stand. I, I mean, mean I, honestly, I, honestly, I think the points just get stronger, right? At this point, like I think it, it's even more because you've seen you know, what he could do. You can see where Herbert, like, obviously, like you look in and see Herbert right now and you're like super confident in everything that he can do. And you're more confident in the situation now than, you know, two years ago with Philip Lins- or with Philip Rivers at the age of, you know, 99 playing football. And then you had, uh, you know, Tyrod Taylor, which no disrespect to Tyrod Taylor, love the guy, but he's not yeah. like a world beater quarterback like Herbert potentially could be. Yeah, exactly. 
we got some good points here coming in the sleeper chat. So we can't see these here on live or on YouTube if you're following us through that platform. Um, but I think that uh, our, our Mishper Nation here is dropping some really good points. Um, Mr. Misik says, tight end is such a dumpster fire that odds are you won't be starting whoever you grab late all season. Kind of true on this one. I think a lot of those breakout candidates we expected last year are on notice, have been seen, and we're, we're filling through with a new group of could-bes. Like I think the Jonu Smiths and the Irv Smiths here actually you – know, there's all it's always that position. But um yep. we've got a mention here of I think it was Captain Bog. If the Eagles don't take a tight end in the draft, then Goder will have a good year. Yes, I agree. I think I think that's why you're kind of seeing uh Derek or your Derek I was reading Derek Henry here. Uh, I think that's why you're kind of seeing his draft stock as of right now be a little bit lower than it than it is because there are still a couple pieces that need to fall. So, you know, talking about if you're in a dynasty league right now, I think right now is a great time to go out and get Goddard because the news hasn't broke about Ertz, which I think could happen the next you know week or so because of the tra- uh, the NFL draft coming up. Yeah. And so once that happens, again, you talk about windows, you know, s- closing. At that point, everyone will be like, "Oh, they didn't draft a tight end, and they let go of or traded Ertz. Goddard's now the guy." And I think he'll then shoot up potentially to right after you know T.J. Hawkinson and Kyle Pitts. Probably that area is where I, right around where you'll start seeing him. Yeah, I think so too. Well, Johnny, we've done it. We got we another did it. draft in the books. It wasn't pretty. It was not pretty. Today was definitely a Monday. We uh, missed you, Yeah, we missed you, Big Travi. Uh, But it was fun nonetheless. But we're not done. Our job is not done yet. No, it's not. Thank goodness. We got our own teams. We'll break down. Myself and Johnny will go through ours, let you know what we're thinking. You let us know who you think did better. Let us know which team you like in the chat below. And then we'll go through the remaining person drafts, break it down, and give our draft grades. You ready for it, Johnny? Yep. Uh, I do want to say uh, that before we get into this part, this is if 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 you're thinking about you know leaving, hold up. I'll just get, pause for just a second because uh, this is where we kind of differentiate ourselves from other podcast shows and stuff like that. We're gonna dive into. Uh, why we think you like strategy wise on on certain teams so it's a lot of information and very beneficial so you can kind of navigate your own draft um and so we'll give you tips and tricks so stay tuned around the league all right awesome break down your team all right i went the one one i went with dalvin cook and we mock so we see how it feels and dalvin cook feels okay but i think i would have gone derrick henry again if i'm playing for upside but also safety and security i want to make sure i can rely on my first overall pick i didn't even pick up alexander madison here um, as the handcuff which is partially due to the auto selection at the end but is what it is um so dalvin cook high ceiling we know what he's about um i feel really comfortable he'll be a top five running back and that's really what i'm looking to grab early on in the draft is more of a guarantee not so much a lotto ticket uh, DeAndre Hopkins and George Kittle. I decided to go with that three elite strategy. Uh, forego a running back, try to fill it in later and get myself some positional advantage. So Dalvin Cook, DeAndre Hopkins, and George Kittle. Very happy about those fitting into that strategy. And then Kyler Murray there on the backside of the fourth round. I am excited about him. He flirted with uh, the number one spot for a few weeks last season and finished as the third overall quarterback 
I think he's going to be as good, if not better, next season, barring health. Leonard Fournette, uh, if you go four rounds there, not taking another running back, you got to get what you can get. Leonard Fournette has that upside playing for Tampa Bay. Obviously, Ronald Jones is still in the mix. We don't know what's going to happen with the draft. A lot of pieces still unknown, but Leonard Fournette's going to be playing for a lot. He definitely showed us flashes last year. It's a very talented running back at age 26 coming here into his fifth season. Playing for that bag, I like the upside of Leonard Fournette, who wants to be in Tampa Bay. They wanted him enough uh, to sign him. So as my second running back, I'm not hating that one, considering the strengths I have at the other position. DJ Chart, who I think is going to benefit from Trevor Lawrence being behind center, along with uh, the coaching switch up in Jacksonville, is only a benefit to his potential upside. Not hating that selection. Then Devin Singletary, Zach Moss just tried to get what I think will be the backfield. We got to deal with Matt Breda, who was signed by Buffalo. We also got to deal with the shoddy running we saw out of these two running backs last year. But I think there's a couple of variables that contributed to their lack of production that could be removed this season. And hey, you're getting them in the seventh and eighth rounds. But I think both of these guys have a chance to be really productive running backs. And really, whoever the starting running back for Buffalo is, need some things to happen, but that's why you get them later. Um, Marquise Brown, that's more of just a fun pick for the mock. Um, I don't think he's really going to be doing a lot. I think he's shown us that there's a world where it could happen. You know, we're all holding out for it. We see the upside of a speed demon receiver being in a great relationship with uh, Lamar Jackson. I just don't know if it's going to come to fruition, but it's fun. It looks nice on paper. So that's what I went ahead and did. Christian Kirk and Mike Williams are two upside wide receiver plays, number twos on their team but with a lot of talent and opportunity, if they get it, could be throwing them into that wide receiver two conversation potentially. Um, and then James White and Jared Cook, those were auto selections. Um, otherwise, I would have tried to grab uh, back up here to Dalvin Cook and then maybe see who was available at um, maybe tight end at a, a different selection or maybe a quarterback to myself, a backup quarterback there instead. And that's my team. Nice. I like that team. Uh, I like what you did there uh, in the beginning, the four, you know, I think I know you start with like the three elite, you know, quote unquote uh, strategy that we talk about on the show, but really it kind of fell into a four elite uh, with Kyler Murray. I do think Kyler Murray will have a big year this year um, with another year under his belt, that third year leap. We'll see if he could take it, but well done, Austin. I really like that team. Uh, I'll jump over here, talking about my team real quick. I'll break it down, and uh, and then we'll start breaking down Whisper Nation's uh, teams that they drafted real quick. Um, so first off, we had or I took Ezekiel Elliott at the one ten spot. I think that that's a steal where he's going right there. I feel really confident in that. I think that at the worst case scenario, uh, Ezekiel Elliott falls at that kind of running back right there. Uh, I took DeAndre Swift in the second round. He was on the thumbnail, so I had to go with it. And uh, also, uh, he's he's my boy. So uh, yeah, so I have to I had to go with that one. Uh, Mike Evans in the third. This was you know once again I, I still am a little shocked whenever I see Mike Evans in the third. It still blows my mind. He's been one of the most consistent wide receivers we have seen in the NFL. He continues to do it, and he gets Tom Brady back. So. Uh, Sign me up for that. Uh, Melvin Gordon. So, yeah, Mike Evans, my wide receiver one. Melvin Gordon in the fourth. Um, I like this. We talked about this pick, you know, the J.K. Dobbins. If I would have known that, I would have had him right there. Even in a standard league, I, I still like that. But, I mean, Melvin Gordon, 
very excited about what he could be. I think he is, uh, his value is tremendous right now due to where he is going in drafts. Uh, Raheem Mostert, we had a good conversation about Raheem Mostert. I think he has potential this year. Uh, if he can stay healthy, that's always the big if. Um, but in the fifth round, I think that's pretty good draft uh, value right there. Robert Woods in the sixth to grab another wide receiver. TJ Hawkinson in the seventh, one of my favorite uh, tight ends to go this year. Carry on Johnson. That was not a great. That was that was a computer okay. pick. I did. Yeah, ah, that was horrible. Uh, Will Fuller in the ninth. I you know I I like Will Fuller's upside even in Miami. Uh, I like Tua. I think that he could get the ball to Will Fuller. Rondell Moore. Uh, this was kind of another little panic pick, uh, but I also do like Rondell Moore's upside, depending on what team he can go go to. So uh, I thought I'd give you a little bit of different flavor of picking a rookie. I usually don't go that route. Jalen Hurts, uh, really like him as a quarterback this year. Like, I took him yeah. late. And uh, and then Tyler Higby, I doubled down on tight end, so that way I could – I'm a real big fan of Tyler Higby this year. And uh, so I wanted him, you know, keep them away from people. And so it's a, it's a strategy that uh, you can go with, you know, because it's, it's kind of creating a scarcity out of a position that um, is a limited quantity or quality of, of player. So it is a good strategy, I think. Uh, And then Sterling Shepard to close it out there. So uh, ultimately uh, I, I had some really good parts. I was really excited. Uh, Austin uh, in the beginning of this, draft uh for like the first six rounds seven rounds and then the carry-on thing just kind of got in my head a little bit and uh and then after that i was a little bit scrambling it worked out pretty well on this one though i mean geez dude honestly your first seven picks there are so solid with zeke and deandre swift and your starting running back spots good floor good ceiling but then melvin gordon raheem moster like those guys could outdo those other two weeks no shocker there mike evans robert woods you're feeling really good seeing those in your wide receiver spots tj hawkinson at your tight end nice and then carry on johnson let's hope that he's the handcuff for deandre swift not small williams Um, (laughs) yeah so i don't look complete idiot on this mock but but then after that yeah it's like i run my own podcast here and it took carry on johnson and the best of us uh but then i really love your nine through 13 man like will fuller we know he's dealing with the suspension and the issues and the new team but his upside is as much as any wide receiver and you're getting him there in the ninth round rondell moore exciting rookie jalen hurts is my sleeper quarterback pick i think that he's the dark horse top five mm-hmm. if he can hold that job and then higby another great upside tight end play that you don't care if you drop and sterling shepherd could be that lead dog on an improved giants team so yeah well done man Appreciate it. All right. You want to go over Captain Bob's squad here? I, yeah, I like yeah. what I on here. I think Captain Bob had a hell of a draft. It was yeah, he awesome did a good job with us and being so active in the sleeper chat. So great drafting alongside you, Captain Bob. Glad to have you here in Whisper Nation. He takes Christian McCaffrey at the one, two. No surprise there. I would have, uh, I think most of us would have done the same or taken him even earlier. James Robinson there in the second. I think that's a solid pickup. You're getting a running back who was last year in the top seven spent a lot of it in the top five who looks like it could be even in a better spot some question marks we know that he's going to be dealing with for the undrafted rookie um, with a new coach and a new regime in jacksonville but it could work out in his favor and you get him there at the end of the second round for what could be a nice bell cow voluminous back 
And then I love his two wide receivers here, hot bang with Stefan Diggs and Keenan Allen. Enormous upside for both of these wide receivers. Start with Keenan Allen. He's only age 28. Feels like he's been in the league for a decade, but he's only 28 years old. He had stupid volume with Justin Herbert at points in last season. I mean, I'm talking 19 targets in week 11. Uh, double-digit targets for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven weeks. He had double-digit targets. Keenan Allen did two times. He had nineteen targets. That's just like unheard of. Love what Keenan Allen's about. Love his attitude as well. And the same thing can be said for Stephon Diggs. Last year's breakout wide receiver. We're talking a top-five wideout, number three in both PPR and in standard. Um, who he got in the third round. Very nice, Captain Bob. And then J.K. Dobbins in the fifth. That might be the biggest steal of the entire draft. Brandon Ayuk coming in the sixth round. My God, the athleticism this rookie demonstrated last year was insane. And multiple 100-yard games. I think he's going to be even better this season. Josh Allen is his quarterback. Oh, my God, it keeps getting better. Um, in the seventh round, what? How? I took Kyler Murray in the fourth. Captain Bob gets Josh Allen in the seventh. Captain Bob wins. Uh, that's a phenomenal pickup right there for last year's number one overall quarterback who should be better than he was last season. Okay. Uh, Mike Davis is probably going to be the starting back for Atlanta. Maybe it's Ito Smith. Who cares? I like the upside play there, especially when you've got three solid running backs behind him. Devontae Parker and Robbie Anderson, good upside, fine plays. Darrell Henderson. If I mean, Cam Akers and him went back and forth many times last year. We're really locking Cam Akers into that role, but uh, crystal balls can be foggy this early in the season. I think Daryl Henderson in the 11th is a really nice dart throw. Irv Smith down there, um, that should be nice. I uh, got him in the 12th round tight end for Minnesota. And then Elijah Moore, you got a rookie wide receiver coming in in the 13th round. This is a phenomenal team, Johnny. I got to give the – it's an A. It's a hard A. Yeah, I think this is one of his best teams that he's drafted. This, this is, is one phenomenal. The, this is one of the best drafted teams I've seen us do ever in mock drafting, and here's why. We've said it before. To get a solid A, you need to get lucky. You can't just draft a solid A team. You need to have other people around you mess up and create value found later on in the draft that they missed and you capitalized on. That's exactly what Captain Bob did here. He had smart picks with the players he had available, but then dudes that fell to him, like Stefan Diggs and Josh Allen, that's such a sexy double dip that he got yeah. at a crazy value. Um, Brandon, are you crazy value? Yeah, this is this is a phenomenal team. Christian McCaffrey, Josh Allen, Stefan Diggs. Yeah. And he has three elites. Yeah. And he didn't even he didn't draft it like I did. Yeah, this is this is one of the best mock drafted teams I've seen um, on here on our Mondays in a while. Well done, Captain Bob. Nice. I uh, just wanted to give a shout out to uh, Jay the Plug. He jumped in here. Appreciate you, man. What's up? What's up, man? He puts out amazing content. I love that guy. Um, all right. I will go over. We got uh, Mac here. This is his team from uh, The Snap. Make sure you follow them. They are. Uh, we have a link to their channel at the, end, at the bottom of our YouTube channel. Uh, they are a brother channel. So make sure you follow them. They have great content as well. Uh, let's see what he did here. Uh, Mac took Derrick Henry at the 105. We had a very long discussion about Derrick Henry. So uh, 
you know, I like where he got him. I thought it was a great pick. Austin Eckler and the second round and uh, Chris Carson in the third. I love his first three picks here. I, I think that uh, they, they're very solid picks. Like those, those are really good running backs to have to build your foundation off of. I think they're all going to get solid workload. And they're pretty pretty safe floors as well, I think, in my opinion. Uh, Allen Robinson in the fourth grabs his uh, number one wide receiver. I like Allen Robinson. We'll see what Andy Dalton can do uh, to Allen Robinson. But it seems that no matter who the quarterback is for uh, Allen Robinson, he can produce. Uh, Darren Waller as his tight end in the fifth. I think that's an absolute steal. I was looking at Darren Waller a little bit uh, at where I took Melvin Gordon um, and, uh, so yeah, I think Melvin or getting Darren Waller in the fifth is great value. OBJ in the sixth. I think that that's right where he should be going. I think that he has upside and as to be as wide receiver too, I think is very, very solid. Justin Herbert is his quarterback. I love this pick. I think Justin Herbert, there's a tier after Justin Herbert that falls off as far as the quarterback position goes. And, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of Justin Herbert. This year, Deontay Johnson, Jarvis Landry, and Jerry Judy are his three uh, run, uh, wide receivers Excuse me, that he got in the 8th, ninth, and 10th round. I think that uh, they have very solid floors, and the upside is is definitely there with Deontay and Jarvis. We've, we've definitely seen it. We'll see about uh, Jerry Judy. If you have a, a bounce back season two, I think they might need to get a better quarterback in uh, that's more accurate than Drew Locke, but uh, we'll see what they do in the draft. Uh, Jamar Jefferson in the 11th, uh, rookie running back. We'll see where he goes. Joe Burrow in the 12th and Darrington Evans in the 13th to lock up his, uh, number one draft spot here. I really like this team. The one I would, I would honestly give this one. It's not as sexy as captain Bob's right. Um, but I will say that this is probably one of my more favorite, uh, Mac drafts that he's had and uh i would give him probably either an a minus or b plus like right I, in the middle i i might i think i'm going this is i think i really like this squad i'm on i'm closer to the a minus side for me mm-hmm. uh derrick henry austin eckler or chris carson i'm pretty scared looking at that stack if i'm the opponent playing those two running backs Allen robinson odell beckham or deontay johnson or jarvis landry in that two spot that's really nice. Tons yeah. of upside, nice floor too. Justin Herbert showed us that he can sling it with anybody. I'm definitely bummed if Josh Allen was taking just two picks ahead, but I'm not even surprised if Justin Herbert ends up being this year's Josh Allen. Um, he could even be in one of those mm-hmm. beneficial situations where they're not actually trying to win as many games. They're just they're just like going and going as hard as they can, and which could benefit Josh Allen or Justin Herbert. You know what yeah. I mean? Where they're just throwing it a little bit more than they need to, but that's what they're doing. Um, yeah. And then Deontay Johnson could be. Could be could be a wide receiver one this year. Mm-hmm. Um, gets his handcuff there with Darian Anson Evans. Jamar Jefferson could be a really nice upside running back rookie play. So I, I, I think that he's just stacked everywhere. I think he gives up good upside. I don't mm-hmm. think he has any vulnerabilities either. So, All right. Uh, Jacob Blay, our number one fan, uh, drafting at the 108 spot. Austin, you want to take this one? Yeah, he takes J- Jonathan Taylor there at number eight right after Nick Chubb, which is a great selection. I would love in a real draft to find myself taking Jonathan Taylor right after Nick Chubb. He takes Travis Kelsey, the number one tight end, and Patrick Mahomes there in the third. So he gets a really fun double dip with Kelsey and Mahomes. That's going to be money and win you weeks on its own. Chris Godwin as his starting wide receiver. Okay, 
uh, Kareem Hunt and Ronald Jones. I like the upside and the floor with these ones. Um, we got some things to see of how it develops in Tampa Bay, but that's why you're getting Ronald Jones where you are. And Kareem Hunt, we know his upside is kind of capped with Nick Chubb over there, but we've also seen him perform better when Nick Chubb's on the field. Kareem Hunt is a guy you have no issue with rostering um, from a playmaking side. Debo Samuel is his wide receiver too. I like it. Um, Latavius Murray and Alexander Madison. A couple of handcuffs. You need some things to happen. Really valuable handcuffs, but you need something to happen. They might not be doing you a lot of work unless the guys ahead of them have issues. Um, Michael Gallup, I think, is getting slept on a lot, but there is still Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb ahead. So maybe rightfully so, but as the third of those wide receivers going, I think it's a value. Corey Davis in New York, going to have a new quarterback throwing the ball, going to have a new coach. It's an upside play. Corey Davis is going to be his 26 going on 27. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Showing us that he can get it done. It's just about having it consistently happen over the course of the season. He's got Tom Brady as his backup quarterback. And Kadarius Tony there as a rookie wide receiver dart throw in the 13th. I think that's a pretty good squad. I like his... You know, if you Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey got two elites right there. Jonathan Taylor, it's going to be really solid for you. Feeling good about that. Chris Godwin and Debo Samuel aren't bad. They're not great. They're not bad. There's no holes on this team, but there are a couple of of if not weaknesses, not strengths. So I'm gonna. I think this is a, a comfortable B squad for me with upside. Yeah, there's definitely a tremendous upside there. Um, but I I just. I think that one thing like looking back is probably instead of the Chris Godwin pick here, um, I would have, I, you know, we all we were talking about, you know, having if you would have had like J.K. Dobbins there in the fourth. And then I don't mind so much the um, Kareem Hunt because I think it's a complete upside play and he's an RB2 with, yeah. even with Chubb. So I'm fine with that pick there, even though like if you would have went if he would have went J.K. Dobbins in the fourth and then, you know, maybe grabbed a Terry McLaurin or DJ Moore um, in the fifth round, then it's like, OK, that I think that I like that just a little bit more. Or even if you were just to go uh, J.K. Dobbins in the fourth, I know it's a little scary, but even going Kareem Hunt in the fifth and then look what you have in the sixth where you have, you know, guys like, um, well, I guess Robert Woods and them are off the board, but Brandon Ayuk, DJ Chark, um, you know, those guys I think could be wide receiver ones, potentially low end wide receiver ones. I don't think maybe a high end, but I just think that maybe if you have that, it doesn't um, you're kind of balancing out your team a little bit more. You're, you're raising your floor and uh, without sacrificing much ceiling, in my opinion. Yeah, um, it could have been a clean one right there. Right. And I mean, I missed JK Dobbins. I took, I, we all did. Yeah, we all did. Yeah. We, we blame sleeper on that one. But Sleep if you take Jason Dobbins there in the fourth and then you take Ayuk or Chark in the sixth, I like yeah. that. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go to uh, Fred Beasy. Uh, I think he is new to our our, our mock drafts. I don't think he's been What's here up, before. So I want to say appreciate you for stopping in and mock drafting with us. Uh, make sure you hit subscribe. And if you want to uh, mock with us next week, please join us. All right. Let's break down your team, man. Uh Cam Akers in the first, we've talked about that, whether or not uh, what we think it sh- if he should be there. I think it's actually fine um, if you like Cam Akers and you don't think he'll get to you in the second pick, then um, definitely. Um, and probably can guarantee he's probably not going to make you to you in the second round. So 
I don't mind you taking that that gamble there. Joe Mixon the second, I think that's pretty fair value. Um, it's a little bit higher than what he's been going, but to pair him with Cam Akers, I think you have a very solid foundation at running back there. Justin Jefferson uh, in the third as your wide receiver one. Um, I As your wide receiver one, I do think it's a little risky because I do think that there could be some regression coming for Justin Jefferson this next year. However, um, I do think that he's going to give you wide receiver one weeks for sure. And I think uh, at worst, he's going to be a wide receiver two at the end of the year. So um, I I don't mind that play there um, because of what you did later on in the draft specifically. Uh, Javante Williams, I really like him. And he you took him in the fourth. I like him depending on where he goes. You took Terry McLaurin in the fifth and then Cortland Sutton in the sixth which I think is a very nice move. And I think it solidifies what you did earlier with the Justin Jefferson pick and makes your team really, really uh, balanced there as far as running backs and wide receivers. Now, Kyle Pitts in, in the seventh, I'm not a fan of Kyle Pitts. Uh, this, <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of Kyle Pitts' rookie year, um, but I could be wrong. So if, if he's your guy, I would rather have you know, other guys than Kyle Pitts. I think it's too much of a gamble. I think people are going to be disappointed. Um, so that's where I like about, or that's what I think about Kyle Pitts. Uh, Deshaun Watson in the eighth. We he haven't plays. talked about, yeah, we, we haven't talked about this a whole lot on our show, but I do not believe he plays this year. So Deshaun Watson uh, is completely off my board. I, I doubt he plays. Um, he's got a lot of uh, legal issues going on. So we'll see what happens with that. Gotcha. Um, but uh, but I'm just staying away. I'm just letting everyone know uh, where I kind of where I'm at with it. Um, as far as drafting him, I, I'm just staying away. I don't think he plays. Um, Michael Carter in the ninth. Again, another rookie. He went really heavy on these rookie running backs, but not a bad idea depending on landing spot. And we've seen rookie running backs come and make uh, impact quickly, so it's not terrible. Uh, Terrence Marshall, we'll see where he lands. Good upside a wide receiver for sure. I think he's underrated. Uh, Curtis Samuel, love that pick in the 12th. And Jalen Rager in the 13th, I think that's a really good upside pick as well. Um, I I think that what you did ultimately was was pretty nice other than the tight end and, well, and the quarterback position you're going to need. So with those two things out of the way uh, or docked, I would I would give this a much lower uh, grade. I would probably give it like a C plus, but that's because I don't think Deshaun Watson plays at all. Um, right. But other other than that, if you take away, you know, like that fact and maybe you just went with a different uh, quarterback, um, I think that this is a much it would much improve your team. Completely I'd probably put it at like a B. I'd probably put it at a B if like he had, you know, um, you know, like a Jalen Hurts or even if he had a Matt Ryan, like I would yeah, he hit, or Tom. It's just kind of it's a hole right now. And right. we're saying fill it with something that just makes it for not even a hole. We're not even saying put a mountain in replace of that hole. Somebody yeah. with sky high ceiling. I think it is interesting to note with Justin Jefferson, Johnny, he had five consecutive games to close the year where he out tar- was out-targeted over Adam Thielen. Oh, I know. Of, he, it's it's he, one of those wild things, right? Because it's like it's it's a really nice situation where Adam Thielen, you know, he's over 30 now. Um, he's really good. But Justin Jefferson's on the up. And if he was close oh, to the season coming ahead, and the, the real question comes, though, in, right? Like if Justin Jefferson is going to not regress – if Justin Jefferson is going to get better, as you'd hope for a sophomore to do, he's on pace to be one of the greatest wide receivers in of all time. 
Yeah, we've mentioned this before on the show, um, it, and it should be noted again. Like his rookie season was only the only person that comps to his rookie season was Odell Beckham Jr. Like that's how good of a season he had as far as like, you know, um, his stats against like man versus press yards per game, uh, the, you know, where he broke out as far as a wide receiver. Um, And so, you know, and you're not even having to pay what you had to pay for OBJ the following year, right? You're not having to pay that for Justin Jefferson, which is why I think ultimately it's fine that, you know, I, I like his value where he's going, but I do have a little bit of worry that that offense maybe re- regresses a little bit because Adam Thielen is a little older, things like that. Uh, but certainly, like I'm not going to be surprised if Justin Jefferson is, you know, finishes a top five wide receiver. I, I would be like, yeah, he's talented enough to do so. So that's why I think he's a great value where he's at. I'm excited to witness. Yeah. Yaz here in the comments says, hoping Sutton comes back strong, got him in three of four teams. I think, yeah, I, I, I'm excited to see where, uh, Sutton back uh, with full health, hopefully. And we did see a rapport that he did have uh, when when he was he was actually able to actually produce with Drew Locke um, and yeah. and make, you know, spectacular catches. But uh, you want to break down the cat's pajamas and then I'll yes, take yes. Uh, Mr. Me uh, Seeks and we'll close out the show. That's what we'll do here. Cat's pajamas gladly break down his team. Devontae Adams in the 11th overall spot. Great pick. Love that one. Um, CEH there in the second round, followed by Travis Etienne and David Montgomery. I think CEH is going to have a really um, strong year next year. Uh, yeah, I, I like I like CEH coming into his sophomore season with the Chiefs. And Travis Etienne, obviously we got to see where he stacks up and what team he arrives on, but it could be a good pick. It's a little bit of an early pickup, though, for me. David Montgomery, though, is a little bit of a late pick. I think this was a great value um, for uh, a running back who finished as a number six in standard, number four in PPR. David Montgomery's end of the season was phenomenal, and it looks like people are still dismissing that or expecting something different. I I think David Montgomery's ADP is going to be climbing up quite a bit, so I think that Casper Jams did a great job picking him up there. DJ Moore and Juju Smith-Schuster in the fifth and sixth. I like those pickups. I think Juju Smith-Schuster should do better, but he's such a it's such a strange one. It's hard to pin down, especially with Claypool and Deontay Johnson and all of the TikTok videos and stuff. It's just hard to get a, a clear read on what we'd expect from Juju. Chase Edmonds there in the seventh, as you put it, Johnny, could be a really, really nice steal. Um, this could be the lead dog on a really productive Cardinals offense. Um, James Conner could be a total mirage. Chase Edmonds could break out, as the truther has been hoping to see happen for some time now. We'll see. Aaron Rodgers in the eighth. Love that. The former MVP coming into what should be another really good year. He's also got Devontae Adams. Makes for a really fun double dip. Tyler Boyd as his fourth wide receiver. Like that. Kenneth Gainwell as his fifth running back. That's exciting there. Rookie upside. Nicole Hardman in the 11th. This is nice. Um, he should be the number two wide receiver this year. And then Noah Fant as his tight end. And we saw him do really well when he was at full health. And I think it's kind of that ankle issue he closed the season out with last year is dimming some of the shine that Noah Fant would otherwise bring in. But hey, everyone else's dismissal is your advantage there. I think that's a great pick as a late round tight end flyer. And then Zach Wilson. 
rookie quarterback, highly touted coming in. Hey, maybe he does good, but maybe you just have an easy guy to drop and pick up someone on the waiver wire. So I think this is actually a pretty great team by Cat's Pajamas. The only issues I have are kind of personal preferences there, like Travis Etienne. I wouldn't have risked it that high, but I think you balance it out and mitigate that risk well. This, I don't know. There's no holes. Uh, wide receivers, Devontae Adams, DJ Moore, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Tyler Boyd are backups. Cool. Running backs, CEH, David Montgomery, Travis Etienne, Chase Edmonds, Kenneth Gainwell are backups. That's great. Um, quarterback is Aaron Rodgers. I love that. Tight end is Noah Fant. It's nice. And uh, you got all those flexors to put in a position. This is a, this is a good team. No holes with upside. I, I feel like I want to say B plus because because it's not like super sexy. But I don't even. It's this is an A minus team for me. There's no holes. There's upside. He's yeah. got maybe the best wide receiver in the game. He's I got like production all over the place. Yep, I, I agree with that. Great. All right, I'll close this out uh, with Mister Me Seeks. Draft grade here or draft breakdown. Uh, he took Aaron Jones in the first, Antonio Gibson in the second with the turn. I like those first two picks. I think those are very, very solid. Uh, uh, Dak Prescott in the third. I think that's a little early, but um, he made it work. Uh, Calvin Ridley, T. Higgins, and CeeDee Lamb are his uh, three wide receivers. I think that those are uh, very solid wide receivers to have this year. Second year breakouts uh, and T Higgins and CD land and, and Claypool uh, realistically took all, all second years uh, with his second, third and fourth wide receivers. I do like that. Uh, Damian Harris in the seventh. And then he has AJ Dillon and Chuba Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard uh, in the ninth and 10th Dallas Goddard in the 11th, Tony Pollard in the 12th and then Hayden Hurst uh, close out the draft in the 13th. I really like this this team. I think it's very, very solid. Um, the upside is definitely, you know, you, you as a wait and see. Um, if this is a top four team at the end of the year, I wouldn't be surprised. I think it, it definitely has the players to get you there. However, the downside in the floor is also there uh, as far as not I think you would still honestly be make the playoffs, uh, but I, I wouldn't rank this one of the best teams. I would probably give this a, a very solid B plus. I think I, I agree with everything you said there, Johnny. I might go a little bit lower than a, a B plus only from the T Higgins, CD lamb, chase Claypool pause as they might not be their number one wide receivers. And I'm then I'm crediting saying Calvin Ridley is going to be that number one, which I think he will be. But let's not forget that Julio Jones, who Larry Fitzgerald says is the most talented wide receiver he's ever seen play, is still over there doing his thing. So he could have an entire squad of wide receivers. That's the number two on their team. And that, to me, gives it a pause. If this was a dynasty team, though, however, this is a strong A for me. Mm-hmm. This, yeah. But it's not. Oh, yeah. In dynasty, it's phenomenal there with A.J. Dillon, Chase Claypool, yeah. C.D. Lamb, T. Higgins, even Dak Prescott. You expect to be up and coming and more good stuff on the way as he's going to be coming back from this injury. Good team in redraft. Great team if it was a dynasty. Well, it was a uh, really good draft. It was a great draft with great people. Appreciate you all for joining us. Thanks, Whisper Austin. Nation. you have any last words? You start to actually get excited for the real NFL season. We've been in this in this fun limbo land, but we're going to get some – drafts some players on teams some new stuff coming up and oh my goodness it's only excitement ahead johnny it is we're just getting started uh here in the in the nfl season and then fantasy football season it, it only goes up from here 
Uh, I do want to say before we go, appreciate you all for joining. Make sure you guys tune in on Wednesday. We will be going live on Wednesday for uh, a live show. So make sure you tune into that. That will be 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time. All right. For for Austin Sear, I'm Johnny Game Time Hicks, and we're out of here. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whisperers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whisperers.